Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Everyday Nation Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Father, we come before you as, as your body this morning, Lord, as your ecclesia, as your elect, as your called out ones, as your saints. And Lord, you said of two or more agree to anything on earth, it shall be done for them. So we lift shalom before you this morning, Lord, and we speak life over him in Jesus' mighty name. We pray, Father God, that you would come and heal his body, drive out that superbug, that leukemia, that everything that is trying to rob him of his future. We pray now in Jesus' name that you would set him free, Father God. Release angels, release provision, release wisdom on that hospital, Lord God. And we would see him rising up out of that bed with new life. Miracle resurrection life, we pray. And when you bless my gorgeous wife as she delivers the word at a congregational church this morning, we pray anointing on her, Lord, to win the last and to advance her kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So cool, man. My baby's out. She's, she's going for it, man. So if you've got a Bible, let's go to Philippians. Um, we're going to start in chapter 2. We're in our series uh, called Fruitful. And uh, I hope it's been a fruitful time for you. It's, uh, uh, it's an amazing, beautiful book, this book called Philippians. And um, yeah, we're gonna, we've been kind of just going through chapter 1 only thus far. We've only done chapter 1. Can you believe it? Um, who are the guys who are doing the Philippian challenge? Raise your hands. Come on. Look. Okay, so there's a challenge going out to learn scriptures in Philippians. And we're going to have a competition. And the winner, you can... Quote the scriptures is going to win something, something awesome. Um, and uh, so that's coming up. We'll do that in our last message. So today we're going to go into chapter 2. And uh, my message this morning is entitled, The Power of Humility. <laughs> the Power of Humility. So we're going, to, we're going to talk about unity. We're going to see unity just now. But we're going to, see, we're going to talk mainly about the, the power of humility. And uh, not a word that we normally hear, you know, talking about humility. Um, normally, you know, we like to preach victory. We like to preach, you know, like, you know, more than conquerors and all of that. We don't really like to focus on humility. But this morning, you're going to see that humility is powerful. And it's the key to walking in victory. It's the key to having the grace of God. It's the key to everything else. It's, uh, it's something that we brush over so often as Christians. And I want us this morning just to look at it, unpack it, get it into our hearts. And we're going to leave here just understanding the value of humility and being humble people. Um, I, just while we were worshipping, I saw a picture of like this, the roof like turned into a zip. And I just saw this like zip opening up. And, uh, and I hear the word grace. And uh, there's a scripture that says God gives grace to the humble. And I, I really believe that this value is what God is showing me is that as we get this thing this morning, some of you is going to be like a lights on moment. But as you, as you get this thing, it's going to be like something that's been, that's been stopping your life is going to be unzipped. And you're going to receive the grace of God. The grace of God is not just like the forgiveness of God, the grace of God is the supernatural empowering of God in to do what you cannot do in your own strength. Yeah. And let me tell you something, you need grace. Grace to you, grace to you, grace to you is the, is the topic. It's in every letter that Paul writes, grace to you, grace to you. We need grace to do everything that God has called us to do. But then if we need grace, we need humility. Because he gives grace to the humble. 
So you're going to receive grace this morning. Father, as we get into your word, I pray that you would make it alive to us, open it up to us so we can really grasp it, feed on it this morning in Jesus' name. Let's go. Chapter 2 and, uh, and verse 1. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or pride. Rather, in humility, say humility, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And being, I mean, this is like, you know, you becoming an ant. You know what I mean? It's like God becoming human. You know, it's, 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 it's crazy. You know, it's incredible. Like, talk about humility. God becoming man is the ultimate act of humility known. And then the fact that that man, you know, still chose to be born in a manger. Like, he could have been born anywhere, people. You know, he just kept going lower and lower. You know, just taking himself just right down to the, to the level that we can all identify with. And, and then it says, Being found in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own much, but rather made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he then humbled himself again. Humble. Himself again by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is when a child kind of changes track now. Verse 9. Therefore, therefore, because of all of that, because of what Jesus did, because of that example, they didn't hold on to position and power and everything, but rather chose to be a servant. Because of that, God has exalted him to the highest place. Come on, let's read it together. And gave him the name that is above every name. Come on, read it. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every time acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know that scripture well, eh? We know it recorded, but why is Jesus there? Why is he given the name above every other name? Why is he in that position of authority? Why? Because of humility. Humility was the key to exalting him to the highest place in all the universe. So, now, let's remember, let's just backtrack for a moment and remember that Paul, when he's writing this letter, he's writing it to a church that's in the city of Philippi. And we read about how this church started. Do you, do you remember? The, the Lydia, do you remember Lydia, the, 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 the woman who had a fashion boutique, like tea, 
and uh, she was a Greek woman, okay, businesswoman, probably very wealthy. And then uh, we, we read about the Roman jailer who got saved. And when, like house ch- church started at his house, house church started at Lydia's house. And then we read about the slave girl who was from somewhere else in the world. And, and she got delivered and set free. And, and we believe she joined the, the fellowship that was happening. So right from the beginning of this church, we see a Greek woman. We see a Roman jailer. And then we see a slave girl. Okay? All kind of coming together to form this thing called the church in Philippi. Mix of generations, mix of cultures, mix of, I don't know, of, of craziness. Okay, isn't that the church, you know, that we're, isn't that, that's the picture of the church this morning. Look around, people, like, I mean, we're all so different. We're all from, we've got petties and sutus and sutus in the house. And the, we've got some dumalangs going on. We've got some moelis happening, you know, we've got some... <laughs> uh, so this is the church that Jesus wanted. He wanted a multicultural, this is, this church, the church of Jesus Christ does not discriminate. Every single person is welcome. Whether, whether you're old or young, whether you're black or white, whether you, whether you come from this, whether you were a jailer, you know, you're welcome in the church. Whether you're a wealthy business person, you're welcome. Whether you're a slave, you, were, you are welcome in the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ has got open doors to the whole world. And that's one of the reasons why Christianity spread throughout the Roman Empire. It was unique in that. It was unique in that it was a multicultural mix. It was, it was not judgmental. Everybody can come to church and hear the word of God. And that's why it spread so often. However, <laughs> multiculturalism and multigenerationalism is, is, is not an easy value to uphold and maintain. Why? Because we are creatures of comfort. And we normally gravitate to people who are our age and our color and listen to our sports and uh, whatever our type of music, watch our sports, listen to our type of music. We, we normally try kind of grab a bird of a feather. You know, it's, it's not easy to get us out of our comfort zones and into like spaces where there are people that are different to us. And so one thing that's marked the church, although it's spread throughout the world, one thing that you notice about the church as well is that it's not a very united church. It's quite easy to find a local church, but it's not easy to find a city church. And it's not easy to find a national church. It's not really easy to find a global church. The, the, the church of Jesus Christ, although the doors are open to everyone, it's typically it's, it's pretty divided. You have churches that are like this color and this creed, and, and we differ on you know, leadership style and worship expression. And so, if, so there's, there's many things to disagree about. There's, there's theology challenges, there's, there's uh, eschatology challenges, there's, there's all sorts of things. And so the church that Jesus actually wanted has got many divisions in it, and it's very easy for it to be divided because there's many things to divide us. Amen? Am I speaking the truth? Yeah? So, so unity becomes an issue in the church. In any church, wherever you are, unity will be an issue. Even if you go to a church that's monoculture, you will find unity challenges in that church. Why? Because they will find something to disagree about. We, we all eat the same food and listen to the same music and watch the same thing. But, I don't like the way 
we do worship, or I don't like the way we always preach on this topic, or I don't like the way, you know, there's always going to be something to disagree about. Which brings me to my first point this morning, is that division is easy, but unity is divine. And so when Paul is writing this letter to this church, he's very aware of the cultural differences that exist in this church, the different generations that are coming together. And so his immediate plea to them is, guys, please be of one mind, be of one heart, be of one spirit, be work together. Unity is an issue. We've got to go after it. All right? Why? Because division is so easy. Isn't it easy to be divided? So, come on, this, that's so easy. I mean, we, we all have our little preferences, and we, and, and, and we all get rubbed the wrong way by different cultures. Let's be honest, come on. We get, we, we get rubbed the wrong way about older people or younger people or oh, the younger generation. They're so loud. We're the older generation. They're so boring. You know, there's, just, there's so many things. Division is so easy. It's so easy for you to go through life all alone. It's just that there's, there's millions of reasons for you to do that. This person hurts you. This person doesn't understand you. This person is not like you. They don't really like to do the thing you do. So why don't you pick up the phone? Well, because they won't like, you know, what I want to do. And so then you could just you could just live all by yourself. Yeah. It's a very easy thing to do. But church was never meant to be a solo job, man. Church is not meant to be this like long range of thing where it's just me and Jesus. No, the church, church is we're a body. We're of different ages, cultures, things. And so if we have to fight for something, we have to fight for unity. We have to work at it, man. We have to get to know each other, get out of our comfort zones, get rubbed the wrong way, learn to forgive, deal with the offense that's in our hearts. You know, come before the Lord. We have to, we have to work at unity. Division is so easy. So easy. Not only that, do like do we have personal preferences and like things, you know, that, that divide us? We also have the devil, okay, who is very divisive by nature. In fact, one of his chief strategies according to the Bible is to divide. Yeah. That's what he does. He comes to bring division, comes to divide marriages, he comes to divide families, to divide communities, to divide organizations, businesses, churches, whatever he can do, he'll come so discord. Why? Because unity is divine. Unity is when we have it. Man, there's so much we can achieve. There's so much we can do when we're united. When your sports team is working together, come on, we're going to win, eh? Yeah, Amen. <laughs> you know, when, when, when a church is united, man, we can do stuff together. And so the enemy knows that. And he knows that a kingdom divided cannot stand. So he comes to work on every little kingdom that is. And he tries to divide it. Think about what's going on in our country. Think about what happens in our parliament. Division, division, division. You know, it's just so easy for us not to be together. What, who's the author behind all of this? I don't know, I think we should just give, 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 you know, we, we can blame a political party, but I think we should just blame the devil, rather. <laughs> like, he's really, he is dividing. Because he knows that United South Africa is an example to the world. Yeah. United South Africa is a, is a testimony of the power and the goodness of God yeah. in a people. He knows that. Sure. So he's hard at work in our nation. 
trying to divide wherever he can. And so not only do we have to overcome so much in ourselves in order to be united, but we need to also learn how to battle the enemy in order to be united. So division is said easy. But unity is it's divine. There's a little equation over there. 40 divided by 5 equals? Eight. The answer's there. <laughs> so it takes five people to divide an organization of 40 people down to eight. It takes just two people to divide an organization in half. Just the power of division. When, you, when, when it's at work in a business, in an organization, it has drastic effects. It reduces us from being big to being small, from having large impact to having minimal impact. That's the power of division. And so Paul kicks off this chapter and he's just like, guys, be of one mind, be of one heart. Don't let the enemy get in. Don't let him rob you. Don't let him get into your differences. Don't let him come and cause fights in this church. Don't let him cause disagreements. Just, you know, be of one mind. Fight for this thing because unity is divine. And there was stuff, there was stuff going on in this church. Alright? If you look in chapter 4, uh, verse, I think it is 19, you'll see that there was a disagreement between uh, Syncate and I don't remember her name. Anyway, do we have that, that scripture, Avia? I don't think. Anyway, there was this disagreement happening between these two ladies in the church. And, um, no, okay, that's all right. And, and, and Paul encourages the whole church and he says to them, guys, please help these two women solve the problem. Solve the problem. Get, get agreement. Get unity. There it is over there. He says, now I appeal to Yulia. And how do you say that name? Syntica. Syntica. I like that. That sounds the best. We'll call it Syntica today. <laughs> okay. Now I appeal to Yulia and Syntica, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your agreement. Why should you settle your disagreements? Why should you why should you fight for unity? Why should you do it? Why? Because you belong to the Lord. Let me tell you something. There is no greater testimony to the world than a united church. It proves the authenticity of the scriptures. You know, when people come into the church and they see people fighting, and this one, da, 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 and that one, 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 and that and it mustn't be here. Amen. It must not be in the house of God because we belong to the Lord. You know what, when Langa offends me, I'm going to deal with that thing. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to go for it. Man, I had to do that. <laughs> 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 I saw him that to do a lot more. I've got to fight for it. It's not easy to, I mean, we're, we're so different, but you know, we've, we've got to get over that. And we've got to work together, we've got to get off one mind, we've got to, why? Because we belong to the Lord. And somebody say amen to that. Look at somebody and say, 
you belong to the Lord. Um, I feel some of you need to settle some disagreements. Maybe it's not in this church, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a, I don't know, maybe it's another Christian or something. Go settle that thing. Why? Because you belong to the Lord. You belong to the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Proverbs 6, verse 16 to 19 says this, There's six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to you. Number one, a proud outlook. And number seven is he that soweth discord among brethren. There's seven things that the Lord hates and are abominations to him is when we gossip about each other, when we sow dissension, when we sow something. And you know what this is what the enemy does? He comes and stirs. There's a scripture in, I think it's in Chronicles, where it talks about how Satan stirred David to take a census of Israel. And this is, you know, he, he stirred David to, to, to do something that God had commanded him not to do. And I always looked at that scripture and I thought, like, well, how is that possible? It's only possible because there was something inside of David's heart that he was, the devil was able just to stir. And, and maybe it was pride, maybe it was Eric, I don't know what it was, but all he had to do was come, there was a little flame, and all he had to do was throw some fuel on it, and the next thing David was acting on it. And you know, I don't think that there's a better example of when it comes to relationships, of like how the enemy works. It's like, you just have a little something about Ayanda, just a little thing, and then all of a sudden it gets fueled. <laughs> It gets fueled. And the next thing is, you know, I'm deleting him as my Facebook friend. I don't know what you do. But you're not talking to him. You're avoiding him. You're sitting on that side of the church or whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's like you, you just, it's, 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 it's the enemy fueling pride in your heart. And you have to deal with that thing. Get it out of the way so that you're not a tool in his hands. Because this is something the Lord doth hate. Okay. Um, unity is divine. Look at this passage, Psalm 133. I know you know it. Can we read it together? Let's go. Behold, how good and blessed. It is gracious oil upon the head. Running down the beard of man. Running down the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded to this life forevermore. Isn't that a beautiful passage of scripture? I know we know it quite well. Um, it's talking about how divine unity is and how God loves it. Loves it. He hates pride. He hates discord. He loves unity. It's like where there's unity, it's like. He just gets excited. It's like, there he commands the blessing. Two images. Aaron, the high priest, with oil poured down his head, flowing onto his beard and his garments. And then you have the Mount Hermon, all right, also dew descending upon it. Mount Hermon is, is the highest of the mountains in Israel. It's up in the north, and, and it's 
snow can't be months of the year, and from Hermon, the, the Jordan is fed, and other rivers, and it's, it's like the points where the land, where, where oh, this is so good, <laughs> Jesus, it's the point, alright, without the mountain, okay, without that, like there's no place for, for the climate to change, for the air to cool, for clouds to gather, for precipitation to form, and therefore there will be no rivers flowing through the land. Yeah. Without humility, without that point, where the humility is the point where, where earth and heaven connect. You know, that, that point, that unity, where we, where that, at that point, heaven and earth becomes, it becomes thin. There's, there's the, the blessing of God can flow down through into the land and everything that is ours. And then the other image is of Aaron with that anointing oil. I looked up that, that oil. That oil was a mix of four different types of um, spices. That's the oil. I was going to say something else. Spices. Four different spices that came together mixed with olive oil. Very expensive stuff in those days. Very rare stuff. And, and it would create a fragrance. And, and those spices are so different and so awesome on their own. But together, they make something beautiful. They make a fragrance. Oh, come on, we know combinations. Come on, how many chefs do we have here this morning? Huh? It, you, know, you know, when, you, when you're putting a stew together and it's a little bit of that and a little bit of this or a curry or something, and a little bit of that, and you know, you put in that and then you smell that. And it's like, it's one spice is nice, salts on your food, it's okay, you know, but when you've got a mix, when you've got some different things, and they're coming together for one purpose, the fragrance, the beauty, the, the, the anointing, the refreshing, the power of God is released when we like that. We like those spices. When we come together in the, in the, the, the olive oil of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we create a fragrance that creates anointing, that creates breakthrough. Aaron was then allowed to go into the holy place with that on him. Only then was he allowed to enter into the presence of God. Only when we are united. Let me tell you something. You know, if we were all divided here this morning and we were like, you know, don't like, don't like each other. Let me tell you something. We, will, we would put a rock ceiling above us. But when we, when we are like together, it's like we, we, we can enter into His presence. We can enter into that holy place. We can experience the refreshing and the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Unity. So say it. The vision is? Easy. Unity is? Paul gives us the secret to unity in these passages. Okay? He gives us the secret to it. So there's a secret to unity. Alright? Um, and he gives, a, gives, gives it to us in, in, in verse 2, 3, and 4. Verse 2, 3, and 4. So I want you to think of, you can remember this quite easily. Okay? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. And unity is not about one. It's about the twos, the threes, the fours. Okay? Yeah. So Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Here is the key and the secret to unity. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or pride. Rather in value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. 
So there's, there's two words there, pride, and there's the word humility. And these are polar opposites. These guys are extreme opposites. If you are in one, you're not in the other. Yeah. It's like a seesaw, okay? If, if you're in pride, humility is gone. Okay? If you're in humility, pride is gone. Okay? They're, they're, they're complete opposites. And here he's saying humility is the key to unity. It's if when we act in humility, then we will have unity. And really that goes for, not only for churches, but that goes for marriage. Amen? If there's problems in marriage, what do you need more of? If there's no unity, what do you need more of? Humility. You just need more humility. If there's, if, there's a, if there's a challenge for unity in the business, or the group, or whatever that you're leading, what do you need more of? Humility. Humility is the key. Humility is the thing that will breed unity. It's not long if we all humble enough that we'll all be united, okay? There's this great book, okay? It's called The Boys in the Boat. And um, it's this book about these, these guys, these um, rowers um, who, um, who went to the 1939 Berlin Olympics, okay? They're from America. And, um, and these, these guys were like from, they weren't from Ivy League schools, they weren't from the, they were actually like from like the, the lower end of life, from, they didn't have the right equipment, they didn't have all the right stuff. And, and these guys, this book called The Boys in the Boat tracks these guys' journey from being nowhere, okay, to, to beating the best in America at rowing, which is a traditional sport, okay. And then not only that, but going to the Olympics and winning gold as well. And it tracks their journey. And you know, to be one of these guys, you've got to be like super athletic, okay? I mean, you're talking about cardiovascular fitness, you're talking about muscle fitness, but you can't be too big because you've got to be lean because the boat's, you know, got to be light. So you're talking about a particular athlete who is well-suited, well-trained, well-fitted, you know, you've, not only that, there's a skill to this thing. You don't just pull on that thing, there's timing. There's rhythm, and when you get tired, you you can't break rhythm. You gotta stay, all right. And every single person has to keep that rhythm the whole way through. Then there's like you've got to navigate water, you've got to navigate direction. There's turning. There's there's so much that goes into the sport. It's a it's a fine art of the sport. And when the author's writing this book, and he's tracking these guys, and he's trying to find the qualities that were the, that that got them to the Olympics and to win gold. He didn't, I mean, he didn't talk about aggression. He didn't talk about endurance. He didn't talk about stamina and fitness. But he said the amazing thing was that, that got them to the Olympics was humility, not unity. Because that's what we normally think. You've got to be united. It's like this. You can't have like one person crying. But it was actually humility. And look what he says. He says this in, in, in the book. He says these words. He says, The ability to disregard his own ambitions, to throw his ego over the gunwales. Come on. Can we throw some egos over the gunwales this morning? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Say goodbye, ego. <laughs> goodbye. 
leave it swirling in the wake of his shell, and to kill not just for himself, not just for glory, but for the others in the boat. So they had that. They had that. They had this, this thing, this like it's not about me thing. They had that, and that's what got them to gold. You know, when I, when I look at the scriptures, humility gets us way more than gold. Way more than gold. In, in Matthew 18, humility, Jesus said, is the key to salvation. Unless you become like one of these little children, you by no means enter into the kingdom of God. You know, you have to humble yourself to be saved. <laughs> you got it. Humility is a necessary ingredient for you. If you remain proud and you think, no, you're like, I'm okay, I'm sort of, I've got this life thing, I know how to do my life, da, da. you ain't entering the kingdom of God. How I many of you know that? You know what I'm talking about. If you're born again today this morning, say amen. You know what I'm talking about. You took something in you to go, Jesus, I don't have what it takes to get myself to heaven. And I put my faith in you and that cross, and I, in humility, accept the sacrifice that you made for me. I believe I'm a sinner, and you entered into the, the kingdom. It was humility was the key. What else? He rescues the humble. Psalm 18. Anybody need to be rescued this morning? Anybody struggling with a whole bunch of stuff this morning and you're like, Jesus saved me. I don't know how I'm going to get through this month. I don't know how I'm going to get through the finances. I don't know how I'm going to solve marriage. I don't know how I'm going to solve this family. I don't know how to What do you need? Humility. You just humble yourself, man. Humble yourself. God rescues the humble. He gives grace to the humble. I spoke about that. He exalts the humble. That means he promotes the humble. You know, it's humility to go to a connect group. It's humility to say, I need people. Yeah. Pride says, I don't care. I'll just catch church on TV. <laughs> and humility says, I need people. I need others around me to help me do this thing. Okay? And he heals the land of the humble. You know, when we humble ourselves, we know this too well as South Africans. When we humble ourselves, God helps us. Yeah. And if we, as we continue to humble ourselves, He continues to help us. Promotion, reward, deliverance, healing, blessing. I mean, it just goes on and on. All of these are the fruit, the result of humility. There's an example in the Bible of this guy called Manasseh. King Manasseh. Who knows King Manasseh? Yeah. Two Chronicles. This guy. I mean, I think he was the son of Hezekiah. I'm not sure. Anyway, he, he like basically rebelled as a king. And he led the whole nation of Israel into idolatry. Like, I mean, not only like, is it, like just he, him and himself like going off track, but he takes the whole nation with him. It says that he acted more wickedly than any king before him ever. He was like, he even sacrificed his own children to idols. Child sacrifice. He even went into the temple and built an idol in the temple that Solomon built. God was like, you know what, I'm done with this guy, man. Sent the Syrians, conquered him, took him as a prisoner. It says they laid him in chains and hooks. That doesn't sound good, yeah. Chains and hooks, okay? And then, and then watch this, watch this. Watch the scripture. It's going to come up. Then, 
In that place, he implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him, and he received his entreaty, heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem in his kingdom. Then minister knew that the Lord was God. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that there's a lesson right there. I don't want to learn that lesson that way. <laughs> hey, how merciful is God? I mean, think about what this guy has done. All of us would be like, fry that guy. You know what I mean? Like, just look at what he's sacrificed his children. You know what I mean? Like, this is beyond, like, this is, this guy's deranged. You know what I mean? Like, and then he humbles himself. All of us are like, yeah, you keep humbling yourself right there, champ. <laughs> you stay right there in those hooks and chains. Because, you know what I mean? Like, you're getting out anytime soon. He, God hears and raises him up and restores to him his kingdom. What does he do when he gets into the kingdom? Destroys all the idols, repents, get everybody to worship God again. Like, full on, like, turn around, you know? Full on turnaround, change of life. But, the, but what strikes me in this is the mercy of God because of humility. Yeah. Humility was what unlocked the mercy of God. God cannot ignore the humble. No matter what your past is, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've messed up, when you humble yourself and you turn away, and say, He can't resist you. He can't resist you. He takes you back and He restores you to where you should be in life. But what's the key? It's humility. The key to Jesus being exalted was humility. Andrew Murray says the following He says, Humility brought Jesus, and Jesus brought humility. Isn't that beautiful? Humility brought him, and he brought humility. He, Jesus came to bring humility back to earth, to make us sharers in it, and by it to save us. Isn't that beautiful? You know, John 12, 26, If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, they must serve me also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Andrew Murray goes on and he says, People don't seem to realize that humility is the only root out of which other good character traits can grow. Yeah. You know what? If you have humility, patience is easy. Yeah. If you have humility, kindness, respect is easy. If you have humility, all the other fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, they're easy when you're humble. And then look at what he says. He says, it is the one indispensable. Say that word. Indispensable. Like, like, all, like, like you mean it. Indispensable. Come on, drag it up again. One more time. Indispensable. Indispensable. God, you got it now, okay? Condition of true fellowship with Jesus. If you want Jesus closer... If you want to walk in fellowship with Him, it's indispensable. He resists the problem. 
and he gives grace to the humble. In Isaiah 57, there's this verse in 15, it says this, I dwell in the high and holy place, and with him who has a contrite repentant and humble spirit. So not only am I in the heavens, and in the glory, and in there, but I am with those who have a humble, repentant heart. You know, I, the one person I admire in the Bible for their relationship with God and the presence of God that they enjoyed is the man Moses. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Moses met in that tabernacle face to face. Every time he goes in, the cloud would descend. I mean, it just, that's, that's how I want to do quiet times. I don't know about you, okay? Just going into, you know, my study and just the cloud comes and face to face fellowship with God. You know, just like, you know, when, when there was dissension against Moses, he, he rebuked the Aaron and, and, and his sister Miriam and he was like, I talk with Moses like a, like a man talks with his friend. That's what, that's what he's saying, you know, like, ah, I don't know about it. I want that. But you know, there's an interesting scripture that says in Numbers 12 that the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who are on the face of the earth. It's not really, that's something we think about when we think about Moses, eh? But, but the Bible, the Bible doesn't lie, okay? It says that he was the most humble guy on earth. Where does God dwell? In the heavens of the heavens? And with those of a humble heart. So Moses had something, okay, that was attracting God. But Moses didn't always have it. <laughs> Moses had to learn it. Moses had to learn humility. Moses came out of the out of out of Egypt thinking like I am the God. Yeah. I got this thing. I'm the deliverer. The yeah. prophecies, my life story. What's, you know, they're beating up my people. Let me step in. I'll kill this guy. I'm the man of the power for the hour. I've got this under control, God. Yeah. <laughs> and he had to go into the wilderness, run for his life into the wilderness for a long, long time before he had, before he had that, that dependency on that trust in God, that reliance on God that was so necessary in order for him to be used by God. So Moses learned humility. Humility is not something we just get people. It's something that we learn. And typically we learn it in the trials of life. Typically we learn it in the fire of relationships that aren't working out like we want them to work out. That's our opportunity. That's the time when we start to learn this value. That's when we really get to understand this thing and go after it and let it do its work in our lives is when it's difficult and not easy. Humility is something that is taught to us. When you look at the Apostle Paul's life, it's interesting to see his humility progression. He wrote firstly about being the least of the apostles. So humble, right? Then a couple of years later, in AD 60 or 61, he says, I'm the least of the saints. And then like just a, a year or two later, he says, I am the worst of them sinners. <laughs> From apostle to the least of the saints to the worst of sinners. This is a man's journey in humility. This is a picture of how we learn humility. You're going through stuff right now. You're going through difficult stuff. Maybe humility is what God is trying to teach you. Maybe He's trying to forge in you the character, the necessary ingredient that will one day promote you 
that one day will allow him to use you significantly in your destiny and purpose. Don't miss the opportunity. Let him work it in you. Grow in this thing. Learn this thing. Amen? Paul, I'll finish with this. Paul writes to this church and he says in chapter 2, verse 3 to 4, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or pride. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. He tells us one of the aspects of humility in this passage. He says, humility, the evidence of humility is how you value others. Okay. When, you, when you, you know you got this thing, humility, is when, when, when you know how much you value the people around you. How much do you value the people around you? So I have a little acronym to help you here. How do we value others? Well, the O in others stands for open your life, open your heart. Open time, open yourself, have time for people. Open your life, open your schedule for others. Tell them, the T stands for tell them. Tell them what? Tell them how much you love them. Tell them, tell them how important they are to you. I did a memorial service on Friday for a friend of mine, his father, and um, I was just thinking, you know, we should never wait until people are dead say nice things about them. You know, my wife was just sharing with me a, a little story. She was saying, I have a particular woman in a particular position of authority who when she met my wife, did not give my wife a time of day. Okay? Did not give her like a side glance at all. But my wife had a choice. And she said, well, you know what? I could say, well, girl, do you know what you're missing out on? You know, like, you won't give me time of day, I don't have time for you too, man. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, what's that thing that rises up inside of us when we don't get what we look for in other people? That value, that respect, that whatever we want, we just like, yo, boy, you, you can decide on all of this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and so that thing rose up, and God was like, take the low road. Take the low road. So she just humbled herself, served her, served her, served her, befriended her, helped her, served her, made her successful in what she was doing. She got a beautiful message the other day from this woman. Not that she was working for us, but this woman just gave her a voice note saying, I can't tell you how valuable you are to me. I can't tell you just how better my life is because you can. It was like she had like a revelation or something, you know? The, and, and I just thought, this is, so, this is the progression that we normally go on. We, we kind of, we don't value people, so we, we block them. <laughs> but then, you know, if we open, you know, in our lives, and we, we start to see what's in their life, we start to see the value of them, the God gift on their lives, and then what the, the good response is, then tell them. Yeah. Tell them they're bad, you know? So tell them. Who do you need to tell today that they're valuable to you? How can you tell them? Can you tell them in gifts and words? What can you write a letter, an email? I just how valuable are they to you? What can you do to show them value? You have to humble yourself to do that. Uh -huh. Yeah. Hear them. H stands for hear them. You know, we when people talk, we've got to hear. You show value to others when you show how much you're taking in when they talk. 
every Christian needs to have a good, a good ear. And we sit and we really listen. Sometimes we're going to be like, okay, I'm here, not just to talk and tell my stuff. I'm here to hear you. What, what is behind this anxiety that you're sharing? You know, what, what is in there? You know, is that fear? What, what's going on? I want to hear. Lord, help us to hear. He stands for encouragement. We live in a world where we need more and more encouragement. Encourage others all the time, whatever way you can. R stands for respect. Respect their opinion. Respect who they are. Just respect it. <laughs> Even though it rubs you the wrong way, respect. They're different. They come from a different place to you. They come from a different back. Just show respect. When you show respect, you're showing humility to others. I finally see them. You know, I, I'm amazed at how so many people in this world feel unseen. Yeah. Nobody notices them. Nobody's just, I feel so unseen. So our job is the church. Let's see people. Let's celebrate what God's doing in their lives. Let's see where they're at. Let's call them out. Let's encourage them. Amen? When we do that, we're showing humility. When we show humility, we breed unity. And we attract the glory and presence of God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Father, thank you for this short time to learn about this value of humanity. And Lord, we humble ourselves this morning, appropriately before you, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come and empower us to go and bear the fruit of humility in our lives. Lord, we know this is not something we can really do in our own strength. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would descend upon us, descend upon us this morning, let this settle deep into our hearts as a value, as something that we would go out here and be, be you, be a servant to the world. Be your servant, Lord. Serve others, love on others, encourage others, see others, tell them who they are, what you call them to do. Come and empower us as a church, I pray this Some of you here this morning, and you just you do. When I said those words, there's people that feel unseen. You know what I'm talking about. You feel unseen. You feel like God doesn't see you. Like He's just forgotten about you. And I want to encourage you this morning that He does see you. He does see you. And you keep humbling yourself before Him and watch His hand move in your life. I want you to hear those words this morning. I see you. I see the work you're doing. I see your faithfulness. I see your kindness. Let me know you, you are storing up for yourself treasures in Him. You're storing up treasure with Him. He sees your faithfulness. He sees you.
yourself before Him. You need to repent. You need to turn away from what is wrong. Like Vanessa did. I want to give you that opportunity right now. You're here and you, you've missed out bad. Today you want to make right. You want to humble yourself before the Lord. Father God, maybe we can all pray just to help them. Father God, come to you today. I repent of my sin, my pride, my arrogance. Because it shows you humility before God. 
give it all to you, Lord God. Lord, everywhere where we've been trying and fighting and, and holding up our heads, Father God, we surrender it to you, Father God. We lay it down. Lay it down at your feet, Lord Jesus, this morning. Where we've been thinking we can live our lives the best way, we lay that down this morning. ourselves to your authority, we submit ourselves to your rule, to your sovereign rule, Lord God. Help us, Jesus. Thank you for your grace that is so prevalent, that is so tangible in this place. Reach out to each and every person this morning, Father God. Help us in the places where pride is built up inside of us. Break it, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Lives and ourselves down. 
That's where we get the boldness to stand up in this world, to stand up in the face of adversity, before all men, before in every relationship. Thank you, Lord, that you restore and you revive this morning. Restore and revive each and every family, each and every marriage, each and every life. Restore. tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.com. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.